0: Our reading today comes from Acts 3, starting at verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that's called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them. Walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognised him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power power or piety we made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man his perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who have come after him also proclaim these days, You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham. And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed, God having raised up his servant sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness.
1: Well, this morning we are back uh, in the book of Acts. Uh, we've had a few weeks break as we've uh, considered a couple of other things, but we're back in Acts chapter three today, so it'd be really good um, if you can keep your Bible open there. The email that went out on Thursday or Friday, I think it was Friday, um, had a kid's sheet in it, uh, so hopefully you had an opportunity to print that one out, and so kids, you can follow along uh, the outline there with a couple of activities to do. We also emailed out a sermon outline for everybody. Now, instead of coffee questions, because we're not together for coffee, um, we've included a couple of family discussion questions at the bottom of that outline. Uh, this is the way when the, uh, the stream is over, and while we're still sitting around, maybe there's a couple of questions there that we can toss around um, and these really are application questions. How do we apply this word, this passage to our lives now at the moment? So I'd encourage you um, to have a look at that and to have a think about that. Uh, maybe if you're meeting together as a growth group this week, that is some questions, if you want to follow on from the sermon, that you guys um, can consider as well. Now, I, I don't know about you, but uh, some of the things that we're doing as a family at the moment during this time of isolation, is that we are playing a lot more games. Uh, Board games, card games, even online games. Now, some of those games, uh, you and we may have been playing for a while, and so we're quite familiar with them. But some of them might be new games to us. Now, when you start a new game like that, I think that there are two ways to learn it. The first way, and I reckon the hardest way is to open up the rule book, uh read through it all, and try to figure out how the game is going to work. That's really hard, isn't it? I've had some experience of that yesterday. And it can take a long time, and it's really only once you start playing that you actually get how it works. The second way, and I think by far the easiest way, is to have someone teach you who's played the game before. You have someone who knows how it works who joins in the game, who starts playing it with you, and as they go, you follow, they guide, they know what they are doing. Now when we come to Acts chapter 3, we have this new church that have been gathered together at the end of Acts chapter 2 and are learning what it means to be this new community of Jesus and what it means to be part of Jesus' mission of proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. But how are they going to learn how to do this? Are they in a position where they are just going to have to figure out how to do it as they go along? Are they going to be learning the rules as they do it? Is that the case for the church today? Are we simply trying to figure out as we go along? Well, this morning, I want to suggest the answer to that is no. We're not on our own, and we're not trying to figure it out by ourselves. Remember right back at the first sermon that we did in this book, and we saw that this book of Acts is not about apostles, it's not about the early church, and it's not about us first and foremost, it's about Jesus. All that he continued to do, and all that he continued to teach by the power of the Holy Spirit through his church. And in this chapter, we want to see that this ministry is not just about Jesus and for Jesus and by Jesus, but it actually follows the model or the pattern of Jesus as well. It's the model or the pattern of Jesus acting and Jesus speaking. That was actually, I don't know if you remember back, but that was actually the pattern that we saw in Acts chapter 2. Jesus acted. He He sent the Holy Spirit to his church. And then Jesus spoke by the Holy Spirit through Peter to the people who were gathered. It's actually going to be the pattern in chapter 4 as well. Jesus will act. 2,000 converts will come about that day. And then Jesus will speak through Peter again in another sermon. And that's exactly the pattern that we find here in chapter 3. Jesus acts and then Jesus speaks by the power of the Holy Spirit through Peter. And more than just reinforcing the pattern, here we are getting depth to what each of these things look like. Jesus acting and Jesus speaking. And we're going to consider each of those in turn today. Let's start with Jesus acting. Now, at the end of chapter 2, and we consider this on church camp a few weeks ago, we got this wonderful snapshot of the early church gathering together and being the church of Jesus. And one of the things that it said is that many miraculous signs were done through the apostles. And here in the first 10 verses of chapter 3, we have an example of one of those miraculous signs. Peter and John, they are heading up to the temple to pray. It's like three o'clock in the afternoon. This is the time of prayer. And as they approach the temple, they are addressed by a man who lies at the temple gate. This is not the first time he's done that. In fact, he is there every day begging for money. And as Peter and John go past, he asks them, that money well initially Peter disappoints the man he says sorry I don't have silver or gold but then he gives him the greatest news ever look at what he says it's there in verse 6 but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk And what happens next is truly miraculous. As Peter helps the man to his feet, those feet and those ankles are strengthened. He gains strength back in his legs and he can stand up. And before you know it, he's not just standing, but he's walking, he's leaping, he is praising God for what God has done. And all the people around them are just absolutely amazed. Now I wonder what strikes you about this miracle, kids uh, who are tuned in. <coughs> does does this remark sound like something else that you might have read in the Bible before? What if you replaced Peter? With Jesus. You could do it, couldn't you? You could actually do it quite easily. (coughs) Excuse me. You could drop this passage and put it into the Gospel of Matthew or Mark or Luke and it would fit really naturally. And remember, remember who's writing this. It's Luke who wrote the Gospel by that name as well. You see, he's done this on purpose. He's written it this way to remind us that this is Jesus still at work. This is Jesus still acting. This is Jesus still performing miracles, signs that God's kingdom has broken into our world. It's Jesus acting by the power of the Holy Spirit through the church. Now, we might think from this, well, wonderful. Uh, let's get us some apostles, uh, some miracle workers, and set them free. Let's get them into the hospitals. Let's get them into the ICU, ICU units. Uh, let's get them into the CSIRO, where they are looking for vaccines and cures. And we'll have these incredible signs that the kingdom has come. But we are not apostles, and we don't have apostles. And while God still does miracles, we don't have miracle workers. These were for the time when Jesus was first establishing his church. But that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't working, that he isn't acting. You see, throughout the book of Acts and throughout the New Testament, we find that Jesus acts in many ways. He acts through the church living in devotion to God, as people's lives are renewed and transformed by God's word and his Holy Spirit. He acts as the church learns to live together As a new community, loving one another and caring for one another and supporting one another, growing one another towards maturity in Christ. He acts when the church gets involved in its community, when his people get involved with people in the world around them, loving them, serving them in the name of Jesus. He acts through the church... And doing these things in the sight of a watching world. Jesus spoke about this already in Matthew chapter 5. When he described his people as salt and light, like a, like a city on a hill. And he, he said this. He said, let your light shine before others. So that they may see your good works. And give glory to your father who is in heaven. Peter, when he writes this first letter, says something similar. In 1 Peter chapter 2, he says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evilers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Jesus is still acting by the power of the Holy Spirit through his people. As we love and serve God, as we are renewed, transformed by him, as we love and serve one another, as we help one another grow towards Christ, as we love and serve a watching world, Jesus is acting. And as he does this, it is a sign that his kingdom is breaking into this world that God is restoring a lost and broken humanity. It should stand out as wonderful and amazing because it stands out in a world that is marked by so much brokenness and despair. And church, how needed is that at the moment? How much more is our world Aware of the brokenness and the suffering that we are not in control. How much is our world looking for hope? You see, it would be tempting for us to say at the moment, well, we're, we're in virtual lockdown. Right? What can we do? Surely we might just have to wait until this is all over. But what if right now, in this situation, In God's providence and in his wisdom, this was just a time for the kingdom to be displayed. For us to love, to share, to help. Over the last week or so, I've just been so wonderfully encouraged to hear how this is happening already in our church here at South Barwon. How this love for one another is being demonstrated. Phone calls, text messages, Zoom meetings between people, keeping touch. But more than that, it's been so encouraging to hear of people who are taking care of people in the neighbourhood and their workmates, doing shopping for people who, who can't get out, cooking and delivering meals for people in isolation, Showing concern for people in our streets and our work colleagues. Now it is different. We can't do all the things that we've done before. But we can do something. And church, I want us to be encouraged. These are not just random acts of kindness. This is done in Jesus' name. In the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus is acting, he's working, he's giving a sign of his new kingdom that is breaking into this world, one that acts differently, one that has hope and peace and genuinely cares for others. And as he does this, Jesus is opening up opportunities for us to speak. Now many years ago when I was a student at the RTC, uh, someone put up on the college notice board uh, some words, a very famous saying by Francis of Assisi. You've you've probably heard it before. It goes like this it says, Preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. Preach the gospel at all times, use words if necessary. Now, someone had actually come along after a couple of days and had made a slight alteration with texter to that saying. And so it read, Preach the gospel at all times. Use words because it's necessary. See, what was happening there is that we were entering into a bit of a debate, kind of a maybe a non-helpful debate, that sometimes goes on in the Christian world. What is more important... Acting or speaking? Showing the signs of the kingdom or speaking of what Jesus has done to save people? It's a crazy debate to have, really, isn't it? It's like saying, what's more important in your bowl of cereal tomorrow morning? The cereal that goes in or the milk? It, it's crazy. Bowl of cereal without milk? is just dry grains. Milk without cereal? It's just a glass of milk. They go together. They go hand in hand. And see, this is the model of the kingdom coming of Jesus. He acts and he speaks. The two go together. That's what we find throughout the Gospels Jesus acting. Performing miracles, showing care, showing love, signs that the kingdom has come. And Jesus speaking, Jesus explaining what he is about and what he has come to do. That's what we found in Acts chapter 2. Jesus acted, the spirit came, and then Jesus spoke through Peter as he explained what was going on and as he called people to repent and believe. And that's what's going on here in chapter 3 as well. Jesus has acted. People are amazed. And now Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, through Peter, speaks. The last sermon that we looked at in Acts chapter 2, we highlighted that it was all about Jesus. I, I wonder if you remember those four points that Peter had in his sermon. Jesus' life, his miracles, his death, his resurrection, and his reigning. Four-point sermon, which all pointed to Jesus. Well, now as he preaches again, Peter has the same theme to his sermon. It's all about Jesus. He quickly takes attention off himself. He says, why do you look at us? Like this is by our own power, our own godliness. And he points to Jesus, that it's in Jesus' name, by faith that comes from Jesus, that this man is healed. Jesus, he says, whom God glorified. Jesus, he says, whom you killed, but God raised from the dead. It was Jesus who was at work. Now, there is so much in the sermon which is good and helpful for us. It could take us a few weeks to get through. But I, I want to just highlight here three things that Peter does that are helpful for us as we think about Sharing the good news, the gospel of Jesus, with others. Three things that we can seek to do as God gives us opportunities to speak about the hope that we have, to speak about the work that Jesus is doing. The first thing I want us to notice, and we're going to wrap up with these three things. Firstly, Peter connects with the people that he is speaking to. Very naturally, he addresses them where they are at. He speaks about Jesus, but he speaks to people. He does this in a couple of ways. The first way he does this is that he answers the question that is on their lips, that is in their minds. How did this happen? That's the immediate question that everybody's asking. How did this man, who was lame, who we know, how is he walking around? And he takes it off himself and he points it to Jesus Christ. And he says, it's the power of Jesus that did this. But secondly, he uses language and imagery that they are familiar with. That they are comfortable with. Remember who they are. This is the Jewish people. This is Israel. These are people who know the Old Testament. They know their Hebrew Bibles well. And so that's where he starts. If you read through, if you notice, he talks about Abraham. He talks about Moses. He talks about Samuel and he talks about the prophets. And he explains to them that they were all waiting for and they were all pointing to Jesus. He answers their question and he speaks in a language and an imagery that they understand. Now, later on in the book, we're going to come to some of different sermons uh, where Paul, in particular, addresses addresses Gentile people, non Jewish people, and his message will be the same. It's it's about Jesus, but the language and the imagery and the questions he answers will be quite different. You see, you know, and I, we need to think about. How we connect the gospel, the great message of Jesus, with the people to whom we are speaking. What are the questions that people are asking? What is the language and the imagery that the people we're speaking to are familiar with? I don't remember if you remember back, but last week Murray gave us a great example of this. When he talked about a disease that is spread across the world, that is Impacting everybody, that is impacting every part of life. And that disease is sin. And that Jesus has come to provide an answer, a cure. Earlier on in the service we talked about the sacrifices that people are being called to make at the moment. The sacrifices of distance, of giving up our own freedom for the sake of others. Which enables us to think about the wonderful sacrifice The great sacrifice, the greatest sacrifice that has been made by Jesus. At the moment, people are thinking a lot about hope. People are talking a lot about hope for a cure, hope for a vaccine, hope for a slowdown. But we have the greatest hope of all that is found in our Saviour, Jesus. We connect this message to the people to whom we're speaking. second thing that Peter does that I want to highlight here is that he explains the acts that have happened, the healing of the man, by explaining God's plan in Christ. He connects this act, which is a sign of the coming kingdom, with the great reality that God, through Jesus, is bringing his reign and rule into the world. They are amazed at what happens, and he uses that, to talk about the amazing work that God has done in Christ. See, I'm sure that many of us have had before, people make comments about the things that we might do for them. People say, and we get this in the op shop all the time, you people are so kind, or thank you so much. It's really good to see people helping one another out. You know what that is for us? That is an opening. It's a starting point. To point away from ourselves and to point to Jesus. Why do we serve? Why do we love? Why do we demonstrate that God's reign and rule is coming? Because God loves people. God is saving people. God is restoring this world as people find life and hope in Jesus. Before I read from 1 Peter, which uh, tells, calls us to live honourable lives, to do good works in front of people who don't know Him and don't don't know Jesus. But it anticipates that this will serve as an opening. And so in the very next chapter, Peter then goes on to say this, But in your hearts honour Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defence to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. You see, we're to give a reason for the hope that we have. We're to take that opening to speak about God's work in us and in our world in Christ. Church, we thought about how how we're going to do that, and how we can do that. This is something that we can practice with each other, practice in our homes, practice in our growth groups, practice even to ourselves. It probably won't be that we get to say everything in one moment, in one chance, in one opportunity, at least not in one go. But remembering what evangelism is. It's saying something about Jesus Christ and the work that God has done through him. Something, not everything, but something. The final thing I want us to notice that, that Peter does here is that he invites people to respond. He calls people to respond to Jesus, This is not just good news to be heard. This is good news to be responded to. Look at what he says in verse 19. He says, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that you may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Notice what he does there. He spells out what they are to do, how to respond. People are to repent. They're to turn from sin and turn to Christ. He spells out the benefits of doing so. Our sins are forgiven. Times are refreshing come from the Lord. We are prepared for that day when Jesus comes back. But notice he also points out the consequences. He points out what happens if we don't? He says there in verse uh, 23, and he says, "And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to the, that prophet shall be destroyed from the people." Again he uses imagery and he uses language that they're familiar with, but he boldly points out the horrible consequences for not turning to and putting faith in Jesus. Church, this is hard and we're not comfortable with this. We actually, it's part of some training that we did as elders the other night, spoke about how difficult this part of sharing the gospel with other people is. We're afraid of turning people off. We're afraid of of losing friendships and we we need to do it sensitively. And we need to do it with great compassion and we need to do it humbly, recognising that this is our own fate, but for the grace and love of God. The Church, if we're convicted that this is the eternal fate of people who don't believe in Christ, then we must warn them of the consequences. But we do this. We do this in the great hope and in the great anticipation that the Jesus who brings signs of his kingdom still today And the Jesus who speaks to people is the same Jesus who opened up hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit so that people are turned to him. They repent of their sin and they find their life and their hope in Christ. That he does this great miracle that the kingdom comes in the lives of people as he speaks, and as he acts through the church. Yes, it may cost us some friendships and give us some moments of discomfort, but there is something much greater than our comfort that involved here. There is the kingdom that God is bringing, people whom he is transforming. And that is our great hope, and that is our prayer, and that is our longing for Jesus to act, Jesus to speak. Let's pray together, shall we? Lord, we thank you that you have given us this great privilege calling of being the people, being the church, through whom you act and through whom you speak. Lord God, we recognise that we are so often timid and scared. We so often don't know what to say and we're worried about how it will be received. But Lord, we pray that you would give us wisdom, sensitivity, the words to speak and boldness. We pray, Lord God, for those people that we're seeking to share the gospel with at the moment, those people that we're praying for. And Lord, we ask that you would be the one at work through us and in them. Cause the light of the gospel to shine in their hearts so they may know Jesus Christ. We pray this, Lord, not for ourselves, not so that we have notches on our belt, not so that our church is bigger, but we pray this so that you might be honoured and glorified. We pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen.